All right, Rabosai, good morning. Let us, let us begin. Thank you, uh, thank you, Tomashi, for handling our technical challenges today. Baruch Hashem, we're online, we're ready to go. Begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's share. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors, Talmud Torah sponsor for the month of Adar Bey's Leia Soul. In honor of all those who organized the beautiful, meaningful, and emotional groundbreaking ceremony, and in honor of those who contribute and do so much for the shul each and every day. We thank Leah for the dedication, for the sponsorship, and mostly with that, let us begin. So we now find ourselves in the last few days of Meseches Chagiga, and we are picking up today's daf is Chaf Hey. Thank you, Job Kamal Akiva, for giving this share yesterday. Let's actually just move back a little bit. We're going to start again at the Mishnah. At the Mishnah on Chav Dalit Amid Base 24b. And the Mishnah says as follows. Chomer B'Tshuma. So remember again, in the previous Mishnah, we were discussing the Chumras, the stringencies that Kodesh, sacrificial items, have over Truma. Now the Mishnah is transitioning and we're going to focus on the Chumras that Truma has over Kodesh. And this is a really fascinating Mishnah. Chomer B'Tshuma, there is a Chumra. There is a stringency that Truma has. Shebi Yehuda ne'emanin al taras yayin b'shemen kol yimos hashana u'b'shas hagitos v'habadim af ala Truma. So we'll say this is actually quite fascinating, and I just want to point out for those for those of us who are doing Mishnah Yomi, it's also very interesting to see much of the intersect and overlap between the sugis that we're now doing in Chagiga and the sugis in Amud Yomi. Because in Meseches Demai, the Mesech is all about how we treat the produce of an Ama Oretz. So here, the Mishnah is talking about as follows, that in Yehuda, which is the portion of Eretz Yisrael, that is Yehuda, which we'll call for our purposes center south of the country. So the halacha is as follows, that in Yehuda, they are ne'emonin. Ne'emonin means ame'a aretz. Now both say, for our purposes right now, an ame'a aretz is someone who is generally not well-versed in the halachos of Tuman Tara, as well as not well-versed in the halachos of tithing. So in Yehuda, ne'emonin al-taras yayin v'shemin kolimos hashana. They are believed regarding the ritual purity of wine and of oil of Kodesh throughout the entire year. Take a look at Rashi. Al-taras yayin v'shemin shal Kodesh. So we'll say, so now listen to this. So Amiya Aris in Yehuda are considered to have credibility, are, belie- are believed regarding the ritual purity of wine and oil to be used for sacrificial purposes. And that Ne'emonos, that credibility, is intact for them throughout the entire year. At the time of the wine pressing and olive pressing, they are also believed regarding Truma. So what you see is something very interesting. The window of credibility for Truma is smaller or narrower than the, the window of credibility for Kodesh. Which, of course, is interesting, which represents a chumrah, a stringency that Truma has over Kodesh. So, whereas for Kodesh, they are believed the entire year to keep their wine, to keep their oil in a state of ritual purity, when it comes to Truma, the window of credibility is only during the actual wine or olive pressing season. So, the Gemara says, if the time for the olive pressing and wine pressing has, or the wine pressing and olive pressing has passed, 
Suppose here's the interesting case. So we'll say, so just let me say the ramifications of this. The ramifications of this are as follows. If, a, if an Ama Aretz comes to, I'm a Kohen, let's say, right? So if I'm a Kohen and the Ama Aretz comes to me with a barrel of Truma wine. So according to the Mishnah over here, I, I shouldn't really accept it from him because I have to assume that it is Truma Tamea. What do you do with Truma Tamea? If you're a Kohen, what do you do with Truma Tamea? You burn it. There's nothing to do with it. So we'll say, so therefore, the only exception to that is if the Ama'aris comes to me with a barrel of Truma wine during, let's say, the wine pressing season, the assumption is that Ama'aris are careful with ritual purity for Truma during the wine pressing season, and therefore, Lachalamais, I could accept it. So, so let's go back. He shows up now to me with a, with a barrel of wine, of Truma wine, when it's not the wine pressing season. So what do I do with it? So don't be makablet. Don't accept it. So if he shows up with a barrel of truma wine during a time that is not the wine pressing season, I should not accept the wine out of a concern ultimately again that it's tomei. What can I do? This is actually very interesting. What do I do? I leave it for the next season. Now, we'll say, we're going to see who's leaving it. Rashi says over here, Ama'aretz legat haba, va'azitin ha'koin. So, we'll say, now listen to this. What should the Ama'aretz do? Ama'aretz wants to go ahead and give a barrel of truma wine to the Kohen. So, remember, the only time that the Ama'aretz has credibility regarding the ritual purity of the truma wine is when? Is when? During the wine pressing season. So now let's say he has a barrel of wine that he wants to give to the Kohen, but it's not during the pressing season. Says the Mishnah, what should the Ama'aretz do? Leave it to the next wine pressing season. Just let it sit. Let it sit. Don't give it to the Kohen now, because here's what's amazing. And I will say, you understand the Chiddush over here? It's the same barrel of wine. It's the same barrel of wine. But Allah said the credibility of the Ama'aretz is only intact during the actual wine pressing season itself. So in between pressing seasons, if the Amaretz shows up and wants to give the coin a barrel of wine, the coin should not accept it because he has to assume that that is Truma Tameya. So if an Amaretz has a barrel of wine that he wants to give the coin, but it's after the wine pressing season, just wait. Just wait. Wait till the next season. And at that time, you can present it to the coin, and the coin is permitted to go ahead and accept it. Vim Amarlo, Hefrashti Lusachar Vies Kodesh, Ne'amar. However, again, this is very interesting. If the Amaretz goes ahead and says to the Kohen, within the wine over here, I have separated out. You know, when we say separate out, what he means is I've designated inside of this barrel of wine a revius that is going to be set aside for Kodesh for sacrificial purposes, Ne'aman. Then the Amaretz is believed regarding the ritual purity of the entire barrel of wine. Again, we'll discuss, we'll discuss in Eretz Hashem what exactly the dynamic of that is in the Gemara. Kadeyayin v'kadeyashem, barrels of wine, barrels of oil, top of chafhei, hamidumos. Hamidumos. Now, here's what's interesting. So, midumos, dimua, Rashi says over here, mefarish pigimara v'hashta mashma shal tevel truma v'chulim v'urabin. Dimua usually represents a mixture of truma and tevel and chulin, right? So some type of mixture, it doesn't usually refer to kodesh, we'll discuss in the Gemara. So, so barrels of wine and barrels of oil, hamidumos, that have mixtures of items inside of it. Now, we'll say, now here, the Mishnah is transitioning. Here, 
the conversation is really no longer about as much about the contents of the barrel as it is about the ritual purity of the barrel itself. So ultimately, again, Ne'emonin Aleyin Bisha Sagidos Vahabadim. They are believed regarding the ritual purity of the barrels themselves at the time of the wine pressing and olive pressing. The Kodem Legitos Shivim Yom. Not only that, they're also believed 70 days before the pressing season as well regarding the ritual purity of the barrels. Good. So, so therefore, again, what this Mishnah represents for us is that there is a certain Chumrah that Truma has over Kodesh. And again, specifically, what that Chumrah is as follows. Regarding Kodesh, regarding Kodesh, so an Ama Arez is always believed regarding the purity of Kodesh. We believe that an Ama Arez takes care to go ahead and preserve the sanctity of Kodesh items. When it comes to Truma, his credibility is only intact when? During the actual wine and olive pressing seasons. But during the rest of the year, the Amaris does not have credibility regarding the ritual purity of Truma. Therefore, this represents a Chumrah that Truma has over Kodesh. So let's analyze. Says the Gemara, but this is actually an incredible Gemara. So we'll say, see, here's what's interesting. If you remember again, the Mishnah, when it phrases this, the Mishnah says that it's only in Yehuda that Ameha Aretz are believed regarding the ritual purity of Kodesh throughout the year. Yehuda, yes. Galil, no. So let's remember again, when we speak about Yehuda, like I said before, really talking about the center to the south of Eretz Yisrael, whereas Galil represents the north of Eretz Yisrael. So why is that, that Amiya Aretz of Yehuda are believed regarding ritual purity of Kodesh, but not in the Galil? This is incredible. Amrei Shlokish, Bebnei Sheretzua Shalkusim, Mavsekes Beinehem. They both say this is incredible because apparently there was a strip of land that apparently like went across the width of Eretz Yisrael that divided between what we call the Galil and Yehuda. Both say take a look at Rashi. Ritzua shall Eretz Ha'amim mafsekes bin Galil li Yehuda v'Yerushalayim. Now listen to this. So apparently, historically, if you can imagine, there was a strip of land that was occupied by Kusim. But so we speak about the Kusim all the time, right? The Kusim, the group of people resettled in Eretz Yisrael by Shalmaneser, the king of Ashur. They originally come from Kusa. So remember again, when they came to Eretz Yisrael, they were a, an, an idolatrous nation. When they come to Eretz Yisrael, something happened. Okay. Thank you. When they come to Eretz Yisrael, ultimately again, when they come to Eretz Yisrael, there was an outbreak of lions. So they converted. So there's a whole discussion about whether or not their conversion was a legitimate conversion or not. Because they were found to be keeping some things, not keeping other things. The Kusim, depending on the particular depending on the particular halachic inyan, sometimes they're treated like Jews, sometimes they're treated like non-Jews. When it comes to the halachos of Tum and Tara, they're ultimately treated like non-Jews. Treated like non-Jews. So here's the fascinating issue. There was a strip of land that was occupied by Kusim. And if you could imagine that strip, that strip divided the north of Eretz Yisrael from the south of Eretz Yisrael. Now here's the problem. Kusim were not careful with Tuma and Tara, and therefore again, that area had unmarked graves all over the place. So we'll say, here's the problem. 
The problem is, this, remember, the Beis HaMikdash is in the area that we call Yerushalayim, right? And ultimately, again, is in the south of Eretz Yisrael, which means that there was no way to get from the Galil, there was a way to get from the Galil to the Beis HaMikdash without going through that strip of land, which means, Rabbi will say that, well, you could not transport anything in a state of ritual purity from the north of Eretz Yisrael to the base of Mikdash. Isn't that incredible? Therefore, again, that's why the Mishnah says, See, it will say, it's not the Pshat that in the Galil, they didn't have even Ameara to a careful Tumantara for Hekdish. They did. The problem in the Galil is a geographic issue. There was no way to get something from the north to the base Hamikdash in a state of ritual purity. Isn't that incredible? To which the Gemara says, well, I don't understand. Well, I don't understand. Venesav Bishida Teva Umigdal. There is a way. Why don't you go ahead and, why don't you go ahead and transport, why don't you go ahead and transport it in, I will say, Shida Teva Umigdal is literally, again, a carriage, a trunk, or a closet. In other words, why, there is a way to go ahead and transport items when they are closed. In other words, just go ahead, just go ahead and transport it in a closed utensil. And doesn't that allow, doesn't that allow for the proper transport of the item? In other words, while maintaining its ritual purity, Hamani Rebihi, to which the Gemara says, whose opinion is this? This is Rebbe. The Amar Ohel Zrok Lo Ohel. Rebbe holds that a movable, a movable, um, Ohel, a movable, we'll call it structure, is not called an Ohel. So what the Gemara is suggesting is as follows. Isn't there a way to go ahead and transport, and transport items in ritual, in state of ritual purity, in a closed utensil, which effectively prevents it from contracting Tumah? To which the Gemara says, that's fine, except it doesn't work according to Rebbe. Rebbe holds that any Ohel, any structure that is movable, essentially does not serve as a barrier against Tumah. The Sanyok, as we learned, If a person enters in to Eretz Amim, we will say Eretz Amim means essentially any land outside of Eretz Yisrael, or for that matter, any land in which there is a concern of, in which there is a concern ultimately of Tumah, and one enters into it, again, these are all examples of movable Ohel, movable barrier. So what's Talacha? Rebbe metame, Rebbe Yossi, Yehuda Matar. Rebbe says, you're because at the end of the day, Ohel's rog, lav shmei Ohel, a movable structure is not chotzeitz b'fmeha tumo. It does not go ahead and serve as a mechitza, as a partition in front of tumo. And Rabbi Yossi Bar Yehuda ultimately again says it works. So therefore the Gemara says, our Mishnah reflects the view of Rebbe, that an ohel zrok, a movable ohel, will not serve as a barrier in front of tumo. And therefore again, there is no way to go ahead and transport items from the Galil to the Beis HaMikdosh. I veles yobikliharis. <coughs> Excuse me. Hamukov tzamet psil. I want to go ahead and move it in an earthenware utensil that has a lid on it. In other words, I will say if there's if you have an earthenware utensil, we learned this in last week's sugya. Earthenware utensil only becomes tamehau, right, from the avir, from the interior of the kli. So why not go ahead? Thank you. Why not go ahead and transport? the items inside, inside of a klicheres, right? Go ahead, put it in a klicheres, put a lid on top of the klicheres, and ultimately, I don't think the internet's working. It's green. 
Just okay. so, so ultimately, why not go ahead and why not go ahead and transport it inside of a klicheres that halacha lamaisa that halacha lamaisa is covered? Because we also remember again that prevents anything from being mitami that which is inside of the klicheres to which the gemara says Rabbi Eliezer shonin ein hektish nitzal b'tzamid psil. Because we'll say ultimately again we say that hektish this doesn't work for hektish. While this might work for anything else, it does not work for Hagdish. I v'hatanya ein chatos nitzales b'tzamid psil. I but we learned that halacha lamaisa it's chatos. It's only apara aduma that is not saved with an earthenware utensil that is sealed. So the gemara says, my love hakodesh nitzal. Does that not tell us it's only para aduma that it doesn't work? But maybe again for kodesh it does work. To which the Gemara says, No, No, what it means to say is, we'll say water that you have set aside for the paraduma that has not yet been mixed with the ashes, that ultimately again could work. That ultimately could work with an earthenware utensil that's sealed. But anything else, but anything else won't work, or I should say anything else, an earthenware utensil with a cover on it will not prevent it from becoming tummy. So we'll say, so bottom line, let, let's, let's just clarify a bit over here. So we'll say, so bottom line, what the Gemara is trying to figure out is like this. The Mishnah said that we're talking about hekdish in Yehuda. Why not hekdish in Galil? To which the Gemara says, because in the Galil, there's another issue. Even if we want to say that Ameha Aretz are generally careful to preserve the sanctity of Kodesh, at the end of the day, there's an additional issue. You can't get ritually pure items from the Galil to the Beis HaMikdash, right? Why not? Why not? Because at the end of the day, there is a strip of land in between the Galil and the Mikdash, which was occupied by Kusim, which did not have a state of ritual purity. So therefore, anything, even if it was prepared in a state of ritual purity in the Galil, could not get to the base Hamikdash in a state of ritual purity. So the Gemara tries to say, but why not? There are ways in which you could transport an item across an area that is Tameh while still preserving the ritual purity of the item. And the Gemara quotes two possibilities. What are the two possibilities? I'm just turning this to the side. There's a, there's a delay. So I see myself in slow motion. Sorry. So, so, so ultimately, so, 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 the, so the Gemara says there's two ways, right? Possibility number one is go ahead and put it in a movable ohel, to which the Gemara says, no, because Amishnah reflects the view of Rebbe that a movable ohel does not serve as a barrier against Tumah. Fine, so we take that one off. Another possibility, put, put the ritually pure items in an earthenware utensil that's covered with a lid, right? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, that prevents Tumah from, from coming in contact with the contents inside, to which the Gemara says, an earthenware utensil with a lid does not work for Kodesh. Does not work for Kodesh. So I say, I so says the Gemara, V'amar Ula, Chavarya Matkin Begalila, I but Ula said that ultimately again Chavarya means the Chaver Machaver, someone who is careful for the ritual purity, goes ahead and prepares wine and oil for the Mizbeach. So I'll say essentially what Ula is saying is they prepared wine and oil for the Mizbeach in the Galil. So I don't understand. If there's no way to get wine and oil from the Galil to the base Hamikdash without 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 it becoming tame, so why are they preparing wine and oil inside or in the Galil for transport? We will say this is incredible. Manichen, it means they prepare it. They don't take it right in the Galil. They're preparing wine and oil for use 
ultimately in the Beis HaMikdash, but they leave it aside. So I will say, this is absolutely beautiful, that in the Galil, they recognize right now, there is no way for them to get the wine and oil from the Galil, ultimately to the Beis HaMikdash. There's no way. But at the end of the day, what they do now is, they prepare it, they prepare it now, so that when Eliyahu HaNavi comes, and he is able to be metaher, he is able to purify that strip of land of the Kusim, that they will be ready to go ahead and transport the wine and oil to the Beis HaMikdash. Shabbos say it's interesting. If you look at Rashi, Rashi had a little bit of a different girsa. Rashi, the Gemara's girsa, Lechishi Yavo. Rashi says is, Shema Yavo Elio, the year Lahan Shvil Ba She'eno Me'eretz Amin. Shabbos say this is actually very interesting. So Rashi's girsa says, maybe Elio will come and show them a path through this strip of land. Shabbos says, so just to understand, what's yours in the girsos? So the Gemara seems to be saying, Chishiyavo Elio ultimately refers to Messianic redemption. Right? When, when, when Elio comes to announce the arrival of Mashiach, he'll go ahead and show us the way through this strip of land. Rashi's saying, who says you have to wait till Mashiach comes? Right? Elio and Avi appears all the time. So Shema Yavah Elio means maybe Elio will come now. Will come now. Don't have to wait till Mashiach. Right? Elio and Avi comes all of the time. Right? He pops up everywhere at all incredibly important moments. So maybe he'll come now and show us a way through that strip of land. But one need not wait until the arrival of Mashiach for Elio and Avi to come. But I will say, so therefore, bottom line, the Gemara says, is that in the Galil right now, there is no way, right now, I mean, the Gemara is saying, right now, there is no way for them to transport wine and oil from the Galil to the Beis HaMikdash. And this is true even if you have wine and oil that's prepared in the highest level of ritual purity. There is a, there is a, there's a circumstance, a logistical issue. The logistical issue is there is no way to get it from point A to point B without traversing an area of Tumah. So even if it's prepared in accordance with the highest standards, by the time it reaches the Beis Hamikdash, it will be Tameh. But I will say, look at the beautiful, what the Yimar is saying. Despite the fact that in the Galil, they could not get wine and oil to the Beis Hamikdash, it didn't stop them from what? From producing it. From preparing it. You see, sometimes in life, we make the, the terrible, terrible mistake of thinking that if you can't do something perfectly, then it's not worth doing some, it at all. So we'll say people who live with that mantra, that if I can't do it perfectly, it's not worth doing, accomplish absolutely nothing. Because unless you are the Ribbono Shalolam, there's nothing you can do that's perfect. Every single thing we do is flawed. Every single initiative has with it the strong possibility of failure. Every single thing in life that we do, even if we start out with the greatest of intentions, never materializes the way we thought it would. Life is all about doing the best you can in the circumstances you are given. Those who go ahead and wait for the perfect moment or wait for the perfect opportunity never end up accomplishing anything in life. We often say that life is not about finding the perfect moment, it's about making the present moment perfect. So in the Galil, they have a choice. And in the Galil, they have a choice. They can either go ahead and do nothing. What are we going to do? Right? We can't get wine and oil to the base of English, but it's not what they do instead. What do they do? They go ahead and they have reserves. 
When we find a way to get our wine and oil there, we'll be prepared. But in the meantime, we're producing wine and producing oil in a state of ritual purity so that when the time comes, we will be ready to act. You have to maximize the circumstances you have, no matter how compromised they may be. And I will say, we all face compromised circumstances, all of us in life, health, parnasa, family, all different kinds of things. So you have a choice. You could complain, you could lament, you could say, woe is me, or I could accept the fact that these are my circumstances and I'll figure out how do I maximize them? How, this is it. This is the hand I've been dealt. Now what do I do with it? And the people of Galil modeled that for us. They could lament, oh, we can't get anything to the Beis HaMikdash. What's the point in trying? But they didn't do that. Instead, they make their wine, they make their oil, so that when the pathway becomes clear, they'll be ready to take it. Incredible. Says the Gemara, So remember again, the Gemara went on and the Gemara said, for Amea Aretz, at the time of the wine pressing or the oil pressing, so Ame Aretz are believed even regarding Truma. So let's remember again, an Ame Aretz is believed regarding the sanctity of Kodesh throughout the entire year, but only regarding Truma during the actual wine or olive pressing seasons. Or Minhi, Slimari Zakasha, Hagomer Zesav. So a person who's finishing to gather his olives, Yeshayer Kupa Achos, what should he do? He should go and make a basket of olives and give it right to the Kohen. Look at Rashi. Hagomer Zesav, Amar Shabaligmar Zesav. So you have an Amaris who's finishing the process of gathering his olives. What should he do? Yeshayer Kupa Achos, that's our Shumosav. He should make a basket of olives for his truma. Rashi says, So see, what's the idea? If you're an Amaretz and you're gathering your olives, you're finishing to gather your olives, make a basket of olives for, for the coin and give it to him truma, for truma. And do this before the olives come in contact with liquid. Because remember again, once olives come in contact with liquids, then what? Then what? They are able to be makabal tuma. So it sounds like over here that if you're an Amaris and you want to give Truma to a Kohen, you have to give him the olives before they even get wet. Which I will say sounds like an Amaris is not believed regarding the ritual purity of Truma even during the pressing season. To which the Afli. One is talking about literally early olives and late olives. What does that mean? Early olives are referring to olives that are gathered at the time of pressing. Late olives are after the time of pressing. Sinabosin Amaaretz is only believed regarding the ritual purity of Truma at the time of the actual pressing. So if it's at the time of the actual pressing, they're believed. The Braisa that says that the Amaaretz should give the olives to the coin immediately before they become wet is talking about olives that are gathered after the pressing. If they're gathered after the pressing, the Amaaretz no longer has credibility regarding the ritual purity of those olives. Only Ravad Barava, Kigon Mai. So Ravad Barava said, there was an example of that. He said, Ultimately, again, like the olives of your father's home. Good, says the Gemara. Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef, no. Begalila Shanu. So this is very interesting. Rav Yosef says, no, no, no. This Bryce says, talking about, again, the olives of the Galil. Rav Yosef, going back to what we said before, look at Rashi, Begalila Shanu, Umas Nisin, Dekatani, Demehemni, Behuda Koi, Dekatani, Reisha, Shebihudin, Amanat, Arasi, Ayam, Shemen, Ba'ala Koi, Bishas, Agidol, Listen to this. That once again, there's a distinction between Yehuda 
and the Galil. In the in Yehuda, that's when Ameha Aretz are believed regarding the ritual purity of Truma during the pressing season. But in the Galil, in the Galil, they are not. And therefore, again, in the Galil, if you're an Ama Aretz and you want to give Truma to a Kohen, what do you have to do? At the time that you're gathering the olives, make a basket of Truma for the Kohen and get them to the Kohen before they come in contact with any liquid. That way, again, you're able to give the Kohen Truma that has ritual purity. That's what Raisa says, that Evrayard in Transjordanian areas and the Galil are just like Yehuda, namely, that Amir Aretz are believed regarding the ritual purity of Truma for wine at the time of the wine pressing and for olives at the time of the olive pressing. But they're not believed for olives at the time of the wine pressing and not believed for wine at the time of the olive pressing. So I will say, this makes it sound like what? That the credibility that Amaretz has for Truma is even intact where? In the Galil. You're right. Rather, let's go with the Pshat of Rav Nachman, that the way to reconcile the Braisa and the Mishnah is how we're talking about olives that are being gathered at the wine press, at the olive pressing time, versus after the wine pressing time. If they're being gathered at the olive pressing, I said one, if they're being gathered at the pressing time, then Halach said the Ama'aretz is believed regarding the ritual purity of the Truma. If they're being gathered, however, again, after the pressing time, then the Ama'aretz does not have credibility, and the only way for him to give Truma to the coin would be at the time that he's gathering the olives, make a basket of truma, give it to the coin before the olives come in contact with liquid, and then it's ritually pure. Good. Shabbos says, so let, let's just pause here for a second. Let, let's reflect on what we have. Right? Shabbos says, so, so far what we have is number one, number one, an Amaaret is believed throughout the entire year regarding ritual purity of what? Kodesh, which is sacrificial items. Even an Amaaret, who in general is considered to be not so well versed in the laws of ritual purity and impurity, We'll say that halacha. We say that they have a credibility regarding sacrificial items. Why did the Mishnah phrase this credibility for Yehuda and not the Galil? And the answer is that has nothing to do with the Amaaretz. What does it have to do with? What does it have to do with geography? Right? There's just a strip of land. It was just logistically impossible to get items in a state of ritual purity from the Galil to the Beis Hamikdash. But nevertheless, the Jews of the Galil prepare their wine, prepare their oil, so that when the Eliyahu Navi comes and shows them a path, they'll be ready to go and take it. That's point number one. Now we'll say point number two. Point number two. The Mishnah said, Amir Aretz are believed regarding the ritual purity of Truma when? At the time of the pressing. Right? During pressing season. Wine pressing for wine, olive pressing for oil, Olive pressing for oil. So I will say again, but that credibility is only during the pressing seasons themselves. But after the pressing season or before the pressing season, if the Amaaretz wants to give Truma to a coin, ultimately he has to do so in a way that let's say the olives had not yet come in contact with liquid, and therefore, again, they cannot become ritually impure. As a result of that, then he can give truma. But other than that, the coin would not be able to accept truma from an Amaretz. Good. We'll say next point. 
Avru gitos va'abadim ve'avilo chavisha yain lo'yik hablen hemen avamanicha legatabah. So we'll remember again. The next case was as follows. So we'll say let's continue down the progression. So now we've established kodesh ame aris believed throughout the year. Truma believed at the time of the pressing season. So we'll say let's play out this case. So now let's say ame aris shows up. Right? Ame kohen ame aris shows up. He brings me a barrel of truma wine. Right? It's not. It's after the pressing season. Am I allowed to accept the wine? Am I allowed to accept the wine? No. Why? Because I have to assume it's what? Tumea. Truma tumea. We'll say, what's the only thing you can do with Truma Tumea? You can burn it. That's all. So what is the Mishnah? Mishnah gives an interesting Eitzah. What is the Mishnah? What is the Mishnah? What's the Eitzah of the Mishnah? Keep it till the next. Now, who is the Mishnah talking to? The Amaretz. So like the Mishnah is saying, Amaretz, put the barrel in storage. Right? Put the barrel in storage. Just wait till the next pressing season, and then you could give it to the Kohen. Says the Gemara, listen to this. So we'll say, now watch this. Let's say I, the coin, right? So here's the case. Amaretz shows up after the wine pressing season with a barrel of truma wine. And I will say, so again, the Mishnah tells me the coin, don't accept it. Don't accept it, right? Amaretz, you take it back with you. Keep it in your wine cellar till next pressing season. You can bring the exact same barrel of wine back to the coin. And at the pressing season, the coin is permitted to accept it. Let's say I, the coin, made a mistake. And I accepted the wine. I accepted the wine. Then I come to Daf Yomishir, right? And I have a great idea. What, what am I going to do? I'm looking like, what should I do? What should I do? I'll put it in my basement, right? Can I just put it in my basement until the next pressing season? And then once the pressing season comes, then I could go ahead and drink the wine. That's what it means. Avar Vikibla. I went ahead and I made a mistake and I accepted the wine from the Amaretz. Can I just leave it for the next pressing season? We said him, we learned this. What's an interesting case? Let's see, I have a Chavar and Amaret. So we'll say two brothers. Two brothers, right? One is a Talmud Chacham, one is an Amaret. This happens in every family, right? Every family, right? Right? There's, this, there's, this, there's the son who made it and the son who didn't, right? So we'll say, so what happens? So two brothers, there's the Chavar, right? The Chavar and the Amaret. Here's what's interesting. Now, the unspoken part of this case is the father was also an Amaretz, right? So Father Amaretz has two sons. One is a Chavar, one is an Amaretz. Father passes away. The two sons inherit the estate. So what's Talacha? So the Gemara says, right? And they, they inherit, their father passed away. So again, I both say, Yaakov, Yaakov passes away. He has two sons, Reuven and Shimon. Yaakov was an Amaretz, Reuven is an Amaretz, and Shimon is a Chavar. So what happened? So we'll say, now listen to this. Shimon the Chavar doesn't want to inherit. He only wants to, he only wants to get ritually pure produce for his inheritance. His brother Reuven doesn't care. Right, because Reuven is an Amaretz, so Reuven is not Machdanan to Montara. To Reuven, he doesn't care what he gets, what he doesn't get. So Shimon says like this: Shimon happens to know that wheat in location A is ritually pure, and wine in location A is ritually pure. So Shimon, the Chavra's son, could say to his brother Reuven, the Amaretz son, "Listen, you take the wheat in location B, and I'll take the wheat in location A." 
You take, right? You take the, I'll take the wine in location A. You take the wine in location B, right? So we'll say, that's all fine. You could split up the inheritance like that. Avol, lo yomar lo, ta'atalach vaniyavish. But what he can't say is, you take the produce that came in contact with liquid. I'll take the produce that's dry. Ta'atachitin vani seorim. Or you go and you take the wheat, and I'll take the barley. Sirebo say, there's a couple of things happening over here. Sirebo say, the halacha is, the Umar is operating off a principle. And the principle is, you are not allowed to sell untithed produce to an Amara. So we just did this in Mishnah Yomi. You're not allowed to do that. Why can't you give, by the way, it's not just sell. You can't give untithed produce to an Amara. It's why not? Why not? It's, Rashi says, it's lifne iverlosite mishal. It's a stumbling block. See, here's the problem. So the problem is, if there's anything that appears to be transactional in the splitting up of the estate, the Chaver brother is going to be over, is going to be in violation of placing a stumbling block in front of his Amaaretz brother. So essentially what we say is like this. When, okay, that's piece one. Piece number two, the laws of inheritance. When, when, when Yaakov passes away, Rebosei, each brother is considered to own each son, is considered to own 50% of every particle, right? In other words, they're both saying, their, in, their ownership interests are inherently intertwined in everything owned by the estate. So watch this. So if the brothers say, well, we're gonna split the wheat, you take the wheat over here, I'll take the wheat over there, that's fine, that's fine. Even though Shimon, the Chaver brother, is essentially doing what? is essentially going ahead and taking for himself the items that are ritually pure and giving to his brother the stuff that may be ritually impure. Because they're splitting like items, that's totally fine. The moment they start splitting dissimilar items, right? I'll take the dry, you take the wet, right? You take the wheat, I'll take the barley. That becomes transactional. And the moment it becomes transactional is the moment that the Chaver brother is going to be responsible for giving his Amaaretz brother untithed produce. To which the Gemara says, Rabbi Allah, we learned about this. Oso Chaver, Sorif Halach, Umaniach Asayavish. Right? Ultimately, again, Halach Lamaisa, when, when Ruvain, or excuse me, when Shimon, the Chaver's son, inherits from his Amaaretz father, Produce that came in contact with liquid, he has to go ahead and burn it because Rabbi said we assume it's ritually impure, but he could keep anything that was dry. To which the Gemara says, "I don't understand. Am I? Am I? Yani legat haba." Rabbi said, "Why not go ahead? Why not go?" Rabbi said, "Now this is assuming. Let's say in this case, let's say in this case, the the, the, the family are kohanim, family are kohanim. So therefore, Rabbi said, the stakes are even higher because now it's not just about chulin. What is it about? It's about truma." So let's say again now it's a family of Kohanim. So Shimon is the Chavar's son. Ruvain is the Amaaret's son. The Brisa says that any wet truma, right, or any truma that came in contact with liquid, that Shimon inherits, he has to burn, right? Anything dry, he's allowed to maintain. But why? Why not just say, you know what, Shimon, anything you inherit, what should you do with it? Leave it until the next pressing season. And doesn't everything automatically become tar the next pressing season? The fact that we don't go ahead and give that Eitzah indicates to us what? That that doesn't work. So said, let's, I'm sorry, let, let's take a step back. Remember again, say, how do we get into this case? We get into this case by saying that an Amaaretz is believed about Truma when? 
during the pressing seasons. During the pressing seasons. So therefore, again, if Amaaretz shows up to the coin with a barrel of wine after the pressing season, what do we tell the coin? What do we tell the coin? Don't keep it. Don't take it. Rather, say, Amaaretz, you know what? Keep it. You take it back. Give it back to me next pressing season. Let's say the coin went ahead and inadvertently accepted the wine. So can he just go ahead and put it in his basement until the next pressing season? Right? That's what we're asking. Can, can now the coin accepted it. Can he just put it in his basement until the next pressing season? Well, the Gemara says, it sounds like from this case, because now Boston, now what's this case? This case is where Yaakov passes away. So the Gemara first began with the whole discussion of inheritance law. Right? Yaakov passes away. There's Reuven and Shimon. Let's keep it easy. Reuven is the Chaver, right? Shimon is the Amaretz. So Reuven and Shimon could split everything equally, right? And Reuven could go ahead and have his eye on wheat or certain items that he knows are in a state of ritual purity, as long as they're splitting like items. What can't he do? What can't he do? He can't say, you take wheat, I'll take barley. You take the wet produce, I'll take the dry produce. That he can't do because that's transactional. And once it's transactional, it's like he's placing a stumbling block in front of his Amma Aretz brother, okay? Second case in that is, let's say it's a family of Kohanim. If it's a family of Kohanim, Bryce says, Ruben, you're the chaver, you're the coin chaver. Any quote-unquote wet produce, any wet truma you inherit, you have to burn. You have to assume it's ritually impure. To which the Gemara says, but why not tell Ruvain, the chaver, son, that what? Just keep any truma in your basement until when? The next pressing season. And by the next pressing season, it'll quote-unquote be tahar. The fact that we don't give that eitzah tells us that the ability to keep something for the next, until the next pressing season is an eitzah that works for produce in the possession of an amaaretz, but does not work for produce in the possession of a kohen. To which the Gemara says, well, maybe not. Maybe not. So, maybe it's referring to something ultimately again that doesn't have a pressing season. They're both saying, for example, dates. Right? Dates, Rashi says, dates don't have, don't have, Rashi says, Gigon Shechar tomorrow, like date beer. Dates don't have a particular pressing season. When do you press dates? When do you press dates? Whenever you feel like it, right? Whenever you need, whenever you need to press dates is when you press dates. So the Gemara says, I'm sorry, why not leave it till the regal? We'll say it's going to be our next Mishnah, tomorrow's daf. Why not leave it till the regal, till the next Yomtiv? To which the Gemara says, Perhaps again, it's regarding something that will not keep until the next Yomtiv. Not keep until the next Yomtiv. So I will say, what comes out over here is something very interesting. So therefore, we'll say, it sounds like from the conclusion of the Gemara that Allah Chalamaisa the ability to hold something until the next pressing season, or the ability to hold truma until the next pressing season, and allow that truma to quote-unquote become tar, only applies if the truma is where? In the possession of the Amaaretz. But if the Kohen inadvertently accepted receipt of the truma wine after the pressing season, it does not work for the Kohen to hold it until the following pressing season, Rather, the coin, unfortunately, is going to have to treat it like truma tamea. is going to have to burn it. Incredible. But say, let's go back there. So the Gemara says, Now watch this. Now watch this. Here's follow up next case. So Amma Aretz, Amma Aretz has a barrel of wine. Has a barrel of wine. He presents it to the coin after the pressing season. What's the status of the barrel of wine? What's right after the pressing season? 
Tame. Right, Tame. But if he says, no, 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 I designated a, a log, right, or a, a revius of that barrel for Kodesh, for sacrificial purposes, then what? Then the entire barrel is tar. What's the logic behind that? It's very simple. Because remember, an Amma Aretz is believed regarding the sacrificial sanctity and purity of Kodesh when? When? The whole year. So we say that once he is believed regarding the revius of wine in that barrel, then what? He is believed regarding the entire barrel. The entire barrel. So says the Gemara, says the Gemara, so Tanan Hasam, Modim, Modim, Beishame, Beisilel, Shebotkin Laosei Pesach, Beinbotkin Laosei Truma, Rabosei, this is an interesting case. Here's the situation, Rabosei, you have a Beisah Pras, Rabosei, we've seen Beisah Pras, Beisah Pras is a field in which there is a concern that there was a grave that was plowed over. <clears throat> and as a result, there may be bone fragment throughout the entire field. So I'll say, normally, if you walk through a Beis HaPras, you are considered to be Tomei. So now watch this. The Mishnah says, Rice says, excuse me, Mishnah says, Modim Meisham Beisilo, Meisham Beisilo agree, Shebotkin Laose Pesach, Vein Botkin Laoche Chuma. That we go ahead and we check a Beis HaPras for people on their way to offer up carbon Pesach, but we don't check a Beis HaPras for people to eat Chuma. Now, what, what, what does this mean? To which the Gemara will say, this is incredible. My boat, what it means is like this. It will say, if I'm walking down a Beis HaPras, what I can do is blow on the dirt in front of me. Now, what does it do if you blow on the dirt in front of you? It'll expose, is there a bone fragment there or not? Rabbi Chia Bar Abba Mishedu Ula Amar Beis HaPras Shenidosh so I'm now listen to this. So what the Gemara is saying is as follows. If you have to traverse a base apras in order to get to, your, to, do, to the basement to do your carbon Pesach, we allow you to walk across the base apras and all you have to do is what? Blow on the dirt in front of you. And as long as when you look at the base apras, you don't see, you don't see any kind of any kind of bone fragment, you're good to go. You're good to go. So that's what we mentioned. the name of Ula. What it means is like this: If you see a base pras shenidosh, or say nidosh means there's an incredible amount of pedestrian traffic that is going across it. That's evidence of the fact that you don't have to worry about the presence of bone fragment, because since there's so much pedestrian traffic, even if there was a bone fragment, it has been scattered from the pathway as ready. That was say. Now the idea is. We only allow this if you need to go through this base apras to do carbon pesach. Loha emidu divreim b'makom kares lo. I'm sorry. So lo ose pesach. Loha emidu divreim b'makom kares lo ochle truma emidu divreim b'makom misa. So we'll say now. What's the logic? We only allow you to go ahead and <coughs> traverse a base apras either by blowing on it or if we see that it's been very well a well trodden path. Why? Because Karba Pesach, I will say, failure to do Karba Pesach is what? Achiv Karis. So Besach Pras is only Dirabanon. Essentially what the Gemara is saying is like this. To go ahead and get to do your Karba Pesach, we will allow you to do what you need to do to get across that Besach Pras. So if it's blowing on the dirt in front of you, or if it's looking for a well-trodden path, that's fine. But for Chuma, I say, see for Chuma, there's no reason to be Mekel on a Besach Pras. Why? 
Because what happens? Go across the base of Rasul, be tame. What happens if you're tame? What happens if you're tame? Just wait. In other words, by truma, there's no time component by truma. There's nothing that, in other words, so just wait. You'll be tame by traversing the path. You'll wait the requisite amount of time and you'll be fine afterwards. So we'll say, so well, watch this. What happens if you traversed the base Pras on your way to the base HaMikdash to go and offer your current Pesach? See, either you blew on the dirt in front of you or you looked for a well-worn path. You got across to be able to do your Pesach. And I will say, so do we say that once you got across the base Pras to do your current Pesach, that that works to keep your ritual purity intact for the consumption of truma as well. But say, hear the shayla? So I say, now let's say I'm a Kohen. I'm going to do my carbon Pesach. There's a Beis HaPras. How do I get across the Beis HaPras to do my carbon Pesach? How do I get across it? Right? Either, blow, according to one opinion, blow on the dirt in front of you or find a very well-trodden path. Good, I get across. I go to, I go to do my carbon Pesach. Then I both say, can I eat truma? In other words, do we say that since I got across the Beis HaPras and I'm tar for carbon Pesach purposes, I'm tar for truma purposes as well. Ula Amar Ula says, Badak la truma. Ula says, yes. If you got across the Pesach Pras in order to eat your Pesach, that works to eat Shuma as well. Rabbi Ula says, no. Just because you got across your Pesach Pras to eat Pesach does not enable you to eat Shuma. So also there was a certain older man who said to Rabbi Bar Ula, don't argue on Ula. This nan kavase, because you have a mission that supports him. Vim Amar, Hefrashti Lusoka Revias Kodesh, Naman. Remember, we just said before that if the Amaaretz has a barrel of wine after the pressing season, right? And he says, I separated out, right, a Revias of wine in that barrel for Kodesh, that ultimately the entire barrel is Tahar. Why? What do we see from there? Alma, Midemehemena Kodesh, or Kodesh. Mehemen Nami Atshuma. Once he's believed regarding the Revius of Kodesh, he's believed what? Regarding the rest of the barrel as well. Hachanami Soto over here. Midde Mehemen Pesach, Mehemen Nami Atshuma. Once he's believed regarding the Beis Pras, ultimately to do what? For, for, for carbon Pesach purposes, he is believed regarding Truma purposes. Which I'll say again is a fascinating idea. So essentially, the case, really what comes out is as follows, which I will say is fascinating. So you have a barrel of wine. Let's just think about it just a moment. You have a barrel of truma wine. Now remember again, I will say, what's the stand? So I'm, I'm an Amar Oretz. I'm an Amar Oretz. I, ba- I have a barrel of truma wine. I will say, this is incredible. Five minutes ago, I was a coin, right? Coin chaver, right? Now I'm an Amar Oretz. I will say, you know, it's possible. It's possible in life. The one moment you could be a coin chaver, and the next moment you could be an Amaretz, right? And one moment you could be an Amaretz, next moment you could be a Kohen Chaber. That's the power of change. So I say, now I'm an Amaretz. Now I'm an Amaretz. So I have a barrel, let's go through this case. I have a barrel of Truma wine. And I will say, let's say again, it's after the time of the pressing season. After the wine presses are closed. I will say, what's the status of my tr- barrel of Truma wine? What's my status? Tame. Right, Tame. Because an Amaretz is only believed regarding Truma when? When? Time of the pressing season. Now, I say, now watch this. But now I say, oh, no, no, one second. But in that barrel of wine, I, I designated a revius of that wine for Kodesh purposes, for sacrificial purposes. Now, remember, again, I both say, what's the status of an Amaretz regarding Kodesh? He's trusted when? Whole year long. 
Rebbe says, oh, now the Mishnah says, well, one second. Once I designated a lug, right, a revius of wine inside of that barrel for Kodesh, once I'm believed about the lug, the revius of Kodesh wine, I'm believed what? Believed what? For the entire barrel as well. Which I will say, so that, that's, which makes sense. In other words, because I will say, remember again, if, if I'm believed regarding the, the Kodesh wine that's in there, that only works if I'm believed regarding the rest of the wine as well. So once, once I say that I separated out the revius of Kodesh in that barrel, I'm believed regarding the rest of the barrel. And the Imar just applies that concept here also. Now let's, let's, let's transfer that to the Beis HaPras. So I remember again, in the Beis HaPras, in the Beis HaPras, I'm, I'm, I'm now going to do Karben Pesach, right? Or both say, let's say this. There's two guys, Reuven and Shimon. Reuven is going to do his Karben Pesach. Shimon's going, he's a Kohen. He's going to eat Truma in Yerushalayim. You don't have to, but that's where he's going. In front of us, there's a Beis HaPras, right? What's the Beis HaPras? It's a field. There was a grave there. The grave was plowed over. There's potential for bone fragments. So I'll say, so now watch this. Ruvain's going to do Karben Pesach. What do we tell Ruvain? Can, can he get across the Beis HaPras? Yes. Now again, Machlok is how you get across. Either look for a well-trodden path or just blow on the dirt in front of you. But Ruvain could get across that Beis HaPras. Pitara, go to get his Karben Pesach. Shimon, Shimon, go, Shimon does the same thing. Right? Shimon, go, Shimon blows on the field. He walks. What's his status when he gets to the other side of the field? A Beis HaPras for Truma? He's Tameh. Right? And I'm say, it's a simple thing. Because for Truma, we don't have to lift the rabbinic tumor. Because what's the worst case, right? What's the worst case scenario? You wait to eat your Truma. You wait to eat your Truma. So fine, Rebbe says, two guys, same field. Ruven going to eat his current Pesach has a rabbinic path across the Beis Apras. Shimon who's going to eat Truma when he gets across the Beis Apras, even though he follows right behind Ruven, he's going to be Tame and he has to wait to eat his Truma. Fine. Rebbe says, now watch this case. Let's say Ruvain is on his way to do the Karben Pesach, but he's also a Kohen. So he's going to do his Karben Pesach in Yerushalayim, but he also wants to eat Truma. So now both sides. So now the Shaila is, the Shaila is, he, right, so he goes across the Beis Abras, he blows on the dirt in front of him, goes across the Beis Abras, makes it to Yerushalayim, offers up his Karben Pesach, and now he wants to eat his Truma. Can he eat his Truma? Can he eat his Truma? Yes. Why? Why? Because they're both saying, since the mechanism employed to get across the Beis HaPras works for Karben Pesach, it works for Truma as well. It's the same principle as our Mishnah. Once the Amaret is believed regarding the Revius of wine of Kodesh in the barrel, he's believed regarding the rest of the barrel as well. Once, once I was able to traverse the Beis HaPras to go ahead and do Karben Pesach, I'm also in a state of Tara to consume my Trumwa as well. So we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up with the remainder of the Sunday tomorrow. Shkoyach.